to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, October 20th. No, we don't have any more Grand Slam tennis left during this 2020 season, but nevertheless, I know I speak for all of us tennis fans when I say we're so excited to see what the Pro Tours deliver for us here down the home stretch. We've got about four weeks left of ATP action, hopefully about two weeks left of WTA action. Of course, so many of these top pros still looking to get in whatever match play they can earn themselves those last few checks of this 2020 season. And so that means we see a really high level, uh, high caliber fields across the board here in the events we have this week. We've got two ATP 250s, one in Antwerp, the other in Cologne. Of course, we've got a phenomenal draw at the WTA event this week in Ostrava of the Czech Republic. So phenomenal. Again, the Ostrava committee decided to put three exclamation points on the court to say, hey, it's Ostrava. And so, of course, that emphasizing the message, it's going to be a really exciting week of tennis. What I want to do on today's show, simply put, break down Monday's matches, preview the action all of you listeners can get ready to see here on Tuesday, of course. Again, it's it was a really exciting day of tennis across the board on the ATP and WTA tours. We've also got two fun challengers to monitors, uh, to monitor, excuse me, hey, great shot. Ult- ultimately, so much great action across the board for us here to discuss. And of course, the reason we're able to do that day in, day out here on the mini break podcast because of the support we get from not only you the listener not only our fantastic crack rackets patreon family but of course from our sponsors over at midwest sports and aerobar you know the deal here we at crack rackets try to live by the philosophy you look good you feel good ultimately you're gonna play good and that's where our friends at midwest sports and aerobar come in midwest sports offering anything you could need from an equipment standpoint whether it be rackets shoes strings clothing they've got it all their stuff staff can help you find exactly what you're looking for. And of course, you can get a couple of discounts if you use our promo code CR15, 15% off your order, free two-day shipping on all over $75 and up. And of course, best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Be sure to go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15. At that point, you'll be looking good, how you're going to feel good, by taking your nutrition more seriously, and that's where our friends at Aerobar come in, the only tennis-specific energy bar in the business, more potassium than a banana, delicious cinnamon, honey, oat, and chocolate chip flavors, and you know the deal, folks. What does it come with? Of course comes with a boost in your energy. Of course, it's going to have you be feeling better about the choices you're making in your terms of your nutrition. But best of all, it comes with that Getting to the Point podcast here at Crack Rackets, where we focus on the importance of nutrition and fitness in the modern game. Of course, to support our friends at Aerobar, be sure to go to aerobar.com. Use that promo code CRACKED15 to get 15% off your order. Also want to note here quickly before we get into today's mini break podcast, there are so many storylines, results, and controversies right now in the tennis world going down the home stretch of this 2020 season to help all of you listeners sort through them all to offer our thoughts on them. I decided to bring in my friend Ben Rothenberg on the Great Shot podcast to talk about that very topic, that podcast released today as well. So if you want to hear more about some of the off 
off-court drama. Of course, we talk a little bit about tennis as well in terms of, you know, strokes and the players we're watching most closely, but, you know, some of the off-court politics. Are we going to have a 2021 season starting on time? How do how does the drama between the ATP Player Council, the PTPA, affect what the ATP Tour is going to be trying to do to help renovate and make the sport better moving forward and all of that and so much more. Of course, it's always fun to have Ben on the podcast. Again, if that is what you are looking for, be sure to go check out that podcast on our Great Shot podcast feed. If you missed any of our French Open award show, you can go find that on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. And of course, if you have missed any of our Cracked Interviews podcasts or you have not yet listened to Inside Out Season 1, be sure to go check out those Cracked Rackets podcasts as well wherever you listen to your podcast or on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Now, with that in mind, let's get to the tennis on Monday, and let's start with the most exciting match of the day, and that, of course, takes us to Ostrava Czech Republic, where I'm going to be honest, the exclamation points on the court lived up to the hype on day one. Now, we didn't have too many matches, only four round of 32 battles, and to be honest, three of them went straight sets, and I don't want to talk much about Krejcikova versus Martin Silva. That was a 5-1 and one win for her. I'm not going to talk much about Cerebes Tormo, who continues to impress her 1-3 win over Magda Lynette, nor am I going to be talking about Maria Sakkari looking awfully athletic as she so frequently does on the indoor hard court against uh, Christina Pliskova. No, the match I want to talk about, the best match on Monday, was the three-set battle we had between two of the stars of this 2020 season in the women's game, and not superstars, not Grand Slam champions, you know. With all due respect uh, to these two players, they're not the Kennan, they're not the Osaka, the Sviantec Grand Slam winners, but the week-in, week-out winners of this 2020 season, the players who proved that they've got what it takes to compete every week on tour to be top 20, top 15 players, uh, are the two players we had battling in this one between number 8 seed here this week, Annette Conteve, and Ekaterina Alexandrova. Now, of course, you look at both of these players and where they are currently at in the live rankings. For Annette Conteve, who is one of those players I continue to say is in that fascinating age group, currently at age 24. She is number 22 in the world. You look for Ekaterina Alexandrova. She is currently sitting, you know, nothing crazy, but she's sitting uh, right around her career high, number 33, her career high, number 25. But that's a battle between two top 35 players in round one of this event. That speaks to the caliber of player here this weekend. Look, this one went the distance, folks. Annette Conteve taking a 4-6-6-2-7-6 victory. Let's start with the topsy-turvy nature of this match. Alexandrova races out to a 3-1 break lead over Conteve. Conteve then gets the match back on serve for 4-3, only for Alexandrova to race out and take that first set 6-4. Now, Annette Conteve, too good in that second set, just uses her uh, wide variety, different spins, different angles, just doesn't let Alexandrova get set and really, you know, lock in on that forehand, change direction with that forehand. She likes to hit that ball flat. She loves to use her body, her momentum, take it early and down the line. It's one of her best shots, but of course, just in general, her ability to take balls early, take time away from her 
opponents, put them under pressure. Here on the indoor hardcourt, she was able to do that all match along against Conteve, uh, against Conteve, excuse me, able to absorb Conteve's spin, uh, you know, use that to keep her balls in and then just produce this phenomenal depth and placement. And, you know, Alexandrova raced out to a couple of leads in the third set. Ultimately, she goes up, I believe it was only one break of serve, but she did go up 5-2. Honestly, it actually might have been two breaks of serve, 5-2 in the third set. Uh, Conteve able to get that to 5-all. I believe Alexandrova doesn't even get to match point in any of those games. And then, you know, at, no, actually, it absolutely was, I believe, a double-break lead because then uh, Alexandrova breaks Conteve right back to take a 6-5 lead in the third. Of course, Conteve immediately able to get that break back for 6-all, which was the ending we deserved, to be honest. And then of course, Alexandrova races out to a 6-4 lead. It's about a 10-shot rally. She gets actually the ball she's looking for, a down-the-line backhand from Conteve, more in the center of the court than anything else, and she has the down-the-line she's looking for on the forehand, the shot that won her so many points in this match, ultimately misses it in the net for 6-5, and then, you know, Conteve able to take the next three points and secure an 8-6 victory, and for Nat Conteve... I mean, early on for her in her career, everyone could see the ball striking talent. It's just that some days when the ball wasn't landing, there really was no plan B, plan C, plan D, and she needed all of it, all of her skill set in this match against Alexandrova. So frequently, Alexandrova was able to take balls early, take time away, and what Conteve did such a good job of throughout this match, just scrapping down, getting that extra ball, feeling no shame in throwing a ball, you know, 20, 25 feet over the net, just the high loopy neutralizing balls to get the point back to even or just to give herself an extra second to try and recover closer to the center of the court and again to Alexandrova's credit she took so many balls in this match early she took so many chances she was really good here on serve and she obviously had multiple chances to serve for this match uh, but Conteve was just persistent and you know the stats for neither in this pl- player in this match that great for Conteve she only makes 62 percent of her first serves Alexandrova Drova 59%, you know, both of them in the 50% range, Conteve 56% on the first serve, Alexandrova 53% in terms of first serve points, one, uh, second serve points, one, Conteve 43%, Alexandrova 37%. You know, for Annette Conteve, she saves eight of the 15 break points she faced, so, you know, that means Alexandrova 7 of 15 on the day. I suppose Conteve slightly more efficient in her 8 of 10, but, you know, this was an either-or match by every definition. Alexandrova had a bunch of chances, and, you know, the forehand is the calling card, but she's very good at changing direction with the backhand as well, going down the line again, taking that ball early, and it's flat, but you would think an indoor hardcourt, certainly a surface she can have success on, but again, huge credit to Annette Conteve in this one, just, you know, to see her play neutralizing tennis, to see her play moonballing tennis, to see her be the one tracking down the extra ball, going down the line on the run. That's not what you saw a lot of from Annette Conteve early in her career. And so for her to keep getting better at plan A, plan B, plan C, you know, she doesn't quite have the power of a Sabalenka, of an Osaka, maybe even of a Belinda Bencic, but she can certainly do a lot of really interesting things on the tennis court. She's able to produce such great angles. You know, I would say Alexandrova, much more linear attacking style in terms of it's kind of a straight line. You know, for Conteve, there's a lot more action on 
on the ball. But this was just a really fun match from start to finish. And again, heartbreaker for Alexandrova, who had those match points in the breaker and had the opportunity to serve for the match. But she's been incredible here in 2020. And of course, that's not the way uh, you want to end your season. Hopefully, she gets the opportunity to bounce back in the next event. But that's an outstanding win for Annette Conteve to advance to the round of 16. And of course, it's going to be a really fun day four here in Ostrava as we wrap into Tuesday. I'm recording this 1.13 a.m. on the East Coast. So for me, it's a fun day today. My action gets started nice and early. And of course, there's no other way I'd like to have it than having tennis from start to finish on the day. But you look at the singles matches. I mean, the headliners got to be the hard-hitting battle between Diana Yastrzemska and Jennifer Brady. And we all know what Jennifer Brady was able to do win in Lexington, make the semifinals of the U.S. Open. But we all also know what Diana Yastrzemska is capable of. She can hit the ball as hard as any player on tour. For her, it's always a matter of, is she locked in? Is she focused from start to finish? Can she rein in that power and, you know, not get frustrated, not throw in a bunch of double faults? But this is going to be a hard-hitting battle, folks. And I know I speak for all of us when I say we are going to be locked in. But, you know, that's a headline match, but is it the headline match in a day you have Striskova versus Shabur, in a day you have Sinyakova versus Goff, Mukova versus Zhang, Rybakina versus Kasatkina, Vekic versus Kudermatova? I mean, this is just top-line tennis, and of course, this comes from the fact that there aren't that many WTA events down the home stretch, and of course, that's something Ben and I talk about on today's Great Shot podcast, but this is everything you want and more from a home stretch event. It has the feelings of, you know, one of those late events in the Asian swing where you see all the top players go out. I mean, second round, round of 16, we have Svitolina Sakari already locked in. We have Azarenka Krechkova already locked in, and then we've got the winners of these outstanding matches. Plus, you know, Anissa Amova versus Mertens in the queue and a couple of others. It's going to be uh, some really fun tennis in Ostrava this week, and of course, we will be covering it here all week long on the Mini Break Podcast, but that is your report from Monday's matches. Let's move now to Antwerp, where we had the first of two ATTP, two ATP, excuse me, hey, great shot, 250s on the weekend. You know, the match I kind of want to break down here, and we've talked about him a lot of late, so I will keep things brief. Great performance from de- today from Francis Tiafo, 6-3-7-6. He advances over the deuce, and you know, I always forget just how jacked the deuce is. I mean, this guy takes big cuts at the ball. He's got that linebacker body where it's just like, okay, if he gets to set on a ball in the center, it's either a winner or it's an error. And, you know, that's the sort of forehand he can t- he possesses. And, you know, he tried to pick on the Tiafo forehand with his serve. He tried to get early plus one balls for himself, get Tiafo on the run. But, man, it's one of those things where... If you played tennis, and I hate to keep going back to this well, but hopefully a lot of you listeners did play tennis, and so you can relate to this, this idea of being confident, right? This idea of when you know things are going in your way, and for Francis Tiafo, yeah, he lost first round last week, but the week before, he won a challenger event on the clay. Of course, he was a a fourth-round appearance, I believe, at the U.S. Open before he lost uh, to Daniil Medvedev, and 
you can just see this is a guy in full who has full confidence in his game and is in complete control as well. The athleticism is starting to catch up, or the mental side of the game, I should say, for Francis. The choices he's making on court, the you know, the forehand, and just how decisive he is in keeping that backswing short and just using his momentum to guide that forehand return. And I'm doing it right now as I'm saying this. I'm mocking a forehand swing as I'm talking. Uh, it just looks better. It looks a little bit more condensed. It looks cleaner. And we all know Francis Tiafo has a serve that can be an absolute weapon that can set up so many easy plus one balls for him. We know how good his variety is, his feel at the net, his ability to turn chaos on a tennis court in his favor. He likes nothing more than the improvisation, than drop shot return to drop shot return. And there were a couple of exceptional instances of just great hands, great feel in this match on the break point. Tiafo sneaks in behind a down-the-line approach, just Nails a transition volley to draw an error. It was just a beautiful play from Tiafa. And of course, there's a couple of drop volleys mixed in there as well. But, you know, for Francis, he goes down a break in that second set. I think it was five or goes down a break, 4-3 or whatever it was. Deuce, the deuce serving for the set at 5-4, 30-40. He tries to serve to the Tiafa forehand on that break point. Tiafo ready for it. Short backswing, inside in forehand return, moves forward. And I don't remember if it was a deuce error or a volley winner from Tiafo to get the break back, but he got the break back. And then, you know, he's down 5-6, uh, six, but 5-6 on serve in the tiebreaker. Big first serve. And yeah, the deuce gave him a forehand error, but he made the first serve. He just played high percentage tennis. And, you know, part of the credit definitely goes to his new coaching arrangement. When you bring in a former top 10 guy like Wayne Ferreira, good things are going to happen. But Again, this is where the, I hate to say I played tennis and I can see it and I feel like I recognize it, but I think you all can too. This is a guy who just looks comfortable on court, and when you are comfortable, when you feel like you can do anything on a court, when you're feeling good about your movement and you're like, you know what, I think I can track down anything right now. I am just feeling fluid. I feel like the only limitation on my game is just what I choose to do because I'm playing that well. It feels like Francis Tiafo is in one of those phases right now. I know that's a lot of, it sounds a little hyperbolic, but, you know, I think he's up to what, like 11 in 5 with the title in the fourth round since the restart in August. He's inching closer to the top 50. Uh, he looks incredible. And we all know about his upside. The question is, how close to that ceiling does he get? Well, he's inching closer and closer, and you know, him getting to the top 30 at such a young age, honestly, him making that quarterfinal at at the Australian Open might have been uh, a burden early in his career, because I don't think his game was ready to be a top 30 player, and then, of course, he wins uh, a couple of ATP titles along the way, or maybe it's just the one in Delray Beach, although I think he's got two at this point, but, you know, he had the big breakthrough, and then there was sort of the setbacks, a bunch of three-set first-round losses at ATP 250 events, but keep in mind, this kid is still born in 1998. He doesn't turn 23 till January of next year. He's going to be 23 for the duration of that season. The best is obviously yet to come, but he is getting closer and closer to reaching that upside, to just showing the flashes of all the things we've seen see him do physically on a court and just the entire package being put together. Uh, I am immensely impressed by what Francis Tiafo has done over the past six months, the work he's put in. Of course, he also tested positive for COVID a couple of months ago, and so to see him bounce back the way he has, really, really impressive. So great win for him today. 
Of course, in Antwerp, there were a bunch of qualifying results earlier in the day. Lloyd Harris, Marcos Giron, Emil Roussevori, uh, Salvatore Caruso, all names we have talked about here on this podcast as having success over the past few weeks. Great to see that success, uh, success translate to qualifying. They all reached the main draw. The other two main draw matches on the day, uh, Hugo Umbert, the lefty from France, an ATP title winner this year as well, a guy who continues to inch closer and closer to his career high, now solidly inside the ATP top 50, a guy who's trying to work his way into, you know, being seated at the slams, getting into the top 32, not having to worry about qualifying at any event he plays, whether it's Masters 1000 or whatever. And of course, for him right now, Ugo right on that border as he is currently sitting in the rankings at number 38, which is a new career high. I suppose he's not on the border now. He's going to get into whatever he wants. And of course, for the 22-year-old, that is so impressive. And he, you know, he doesn't blow you away with anything he does on the court just rock solid. I think a sneaky tall because he's got that Alex Gruskin posture and that it's not the best. The shoulders are a little bit slumped, but I think he's sneaky tall. 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", range. I think he moves really well. He's skinny as hell, but he's you know quite a fluid athlete. He's good at changing directions. And you know, in Kim and uh, Kimmer Kopejans, who was his opponent today, the former junior French Open champion, a guy I still have stock in. And go listen to Kimmer Kopejans uh, hit a forehand and tell me that doesn't sound different. Just the way he turns, the racket speed he's able to produce. Yeah, you know, he's 25, 26, 27 now, but I still have a little bit of stock that he can someday break the top 100. Nevertheless, Ugo just ground him down. I mean, ground him down, grinded him down. I don't know what the proper tense is there, but whatever it is, Ugo did it, and he earns the 4-3 and three win. And then, of course, Feliciano Lopez... Just giving Tommy Paul a lot of trouble today. Tommy Paul didn't really have a weapon. Nothing was phasing Lopez. His approach shots, Lopez was able to pass them down, get clean looks at passing shots, and simply put, uh, was able to execute on those passing shots. But, you know, this was a 6-3, 6-2 match. Felt a little bit closer than that. And, you know... uh, plenty of chances in this one for Tommy Paul. He just, you know, there were a lot of close games, and he just wasn't able to get over the hump. There were a lot of long points, but Lopez was able to come up with the big shots when it mattered most, and it was just how difficult things looked for Tommy out there today. Now, again, it's one match. I'm not going to re overreact here for Tommy. Net-wise, you know, 2020, a great year for him as he has established himself inside the top 75. You look for Tommy Paul right now where he is at at the rank in the rankings, the young American number 59 right now for 23-year-old. That's exactly, uh, you know, of course, ideally, sure, would you like to be in this VR range? Okay, fine. But if you can tell any 23-year-old, hey, by the time, or any young tennis player, hey, by the time you're 23, you're going to be in the top 60. They'd be like, yeah, I'm going to stay the course then because I'm very happy with my life if that's where it leads. This is one result. And I think, you know, again, physically, Tommy continues to look better and better. But I don't know. Sometimes the ball just gets a little bit short. Sometimes it looks like he's a guy out there who can do a lot of things, but doesn't know exactly what he wants his go-to game plan to be. And again, it's good to be able to do a lot of things when you're 23 on the court. Again, I'm very happy with Tommy Paul's uh, projected path right now. Is he going to be a future Grand Slam champion? Probably not. But most of the players in the professional tour, in fact, I will say 99.9% of pro players aren't, do not end up as Grand Slam champions. Tommy Paul going to be better than 90% of pro players at the very least throughout the course of his career, and then even better and better top 5%, top 2% of players. He still does have that sort of upside because of the sort of athlete he is, but... Again, it's about putting the pieces together still at this point in his career, which 
Again, well, I keep saying again, you would like that to be a little bit further, but it is what it is. And so good win for Feliciano Lopez, who continues to be one of the most handsome men in all of tennis. Anyways, you look at the schedule for tomorrow, a bunch of fun matches on the day. You've got Quarantine Mute versus Lloyd Harris, Garon versus Nardi, Rusevori versus Cam Nori. And those are the court one matches. On center court, you've got Gasquet, Dimenauer, Nishikori, Anduhar, Evans, Caruso, Ramos, Vinolas, Birds. Of course, what you all must be thinking, wow, that sounds like a lot of opportunity for us to get in on the action. It absolutely is. And if you want to hear our picks for GSP Ace of the Day, hop over to that Great Shot podcast feed where you can hear my selections for Tuesday. Uh, that's the action in Antwerp. And of course, we have yet to see number one seed David Goffin, number two seed Pablo Carreno Busta, three seed Karen Hatchinov, nor four seed Grigor Dimitrov in action yet. That's not going to happen on Tuesday, but it will happen on Wednesday. So we all look forward to that. But we did get to see a couple more fun matches uh, yesterday in Cologne. Going to go through these quickly because, uh, again, only one three-setter on the day. Kasmanovic, a three-set win over Sumit Nagal for Kasmanovic. Just, it was so great to see him find that zone where it's like, all right, I, I need, I'm not playing my best tennis. I am just going to make the extra ball. I'm going to survive in this match, make it as physical as possible. That's exactly what he did. That was a great win for him. Great win for our guy, Stevie J. Steve Johnson, 7-6-6-4, upset win over Marin Cilic. And this one, you know, not a great performance from Marin Cilic, who again is clearly on the back half of his career, unfortunately. And I think Marin Cilic, because of the circumstances of his Grand Slam, one of the few breakthrough winners, you know, him, Delpo, the only two guys who didn't get multiple Grand Slams, but did win a title during that era, um, I just, he, whether he's the most underrated player of this era, the most disrespected because a one slam champion, you know, Marin Chilton, his prime was very, 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 very good. A three time Grand Slam finalist, did, I think, all three of them in the course of a 12 month stretch. But you can just tell, you know, the fact that Stevie Johnson was thrown in slice after slice and keeping Chilich, you know, forcing him to bend down in weird angles and play the ball in uncomfortable strike zones. He's just not as good at that right now as he used to be. And so a great win for Stevie J. I just think for Marin Chilich, I think he still can be a top 50 guy. I think certainly he can still be a top 100 guy. I still do think and hope we're going to get, you know, three to five more years of good pro tennis out of him, but to expect him to be the top 10 guy he was for the duration of his career, sadly, I do think that moment has passed for him, but again, great win for Stevie J, confidence booster, the slice was working, the forehand was working, uh, Stevie J gonna Stevie J, and so that's a great win for him. The other winners on the day, Adrian Manorino, straight sets two and two over Alexi Popperin, would have liked to see a little bit more from him on an indoor hardcourt still. Good win for Manorino. Good win for Igor Jeremisov, uh, stopping the run of wildcard Daniel Altmaier, 6-1, 6-love. Nishioka, a really impressive 6-4, 6-love win over Kyle Edmund. I still believe in Kyle Edmund. You watch him play, you see that forehand, and you're like, even the backhand has gotten better. The movement has gotten better, but the confidence is just not there right now for him. And, you know, Nishioka going to make every extra ball, going to force you to have to be confident because you're going to have to go for some bold shots if you want to beat him. And Kyle Edmund just wasn't able to make those bold shots today. So great win for Nishioka and great win for Jill Simone, 3-5 and five over Jordan Thompson. Jill Simone continuing to prove if you don't have a big weapon to hurt him, if you're going to give him time, I mean, that guy's got as wide an array of uh, shots in his arsenal as any player in the men's game. So uh, 
a really fun, uh, or a really good win for him. Fun day of matches overall. And then, of course, you look at tomorrow's daily schedule for the action in Cologne. Bunch of fun matches overall. You've got. Uh, Petrovic taking on Novak, two guys who have played well of late, and of course on center court, you've got Verdasco, Milman, Yannick Sinner taking on James Duckworth, Tennis Sandgren versus Pierre Uzerbear. That's a really fun contrast of styles. And then Demir Zumher taking on last week's Cologne semifinalist, Alejandro Davidovic Fokina. Easy, not easy, but you make one semifinal as a youngster, we, we take notice. You make two good runs at ATP 250 events. Now we have to start talking about you a little bit more seriously, and obviously for Davidovich Fokina. Great U.S. Open for him. Great to follow that up in Cologne Part 1. Would love to see him follow it up in Cologne Part 2. So that will be the action tomorrow there. As I mentioned, we also have a couple of challengers going on this week. Just we'll run through the results there quickly. Uh, you know, no crazy upsets on the day in terms of the action in Germany. A win from Antoine Huang, the number 4 seed, Henry Laxen in the 6th seed, and 7th seed, Pranesh Gunaswaran, all getting wins over Troisky, Meadler, and Echeverry, respectfully, for Gunaswar in 7-6 in the third. That was a battle. You know, disappointing loss for Brandon Nakashima, 4-6-6-3-6-4 to Matteo Viola. But again, you know, this is an event right now in Germany that is happening on carpet, uh, which I highly recommend. I think this is the first carpet event since probably the 1940s. Um, again, that that's a rough estimate. We'll get the IT team on that. But uh, yeah, that's just... You know, it, it it's a carpet event. Grain of salt for all of it. Let's just enjoy the tennis. And so some funky results there so far. Of course, tomorrow we see a couple more seeds in play. It's going to be a fun match between Max Martyr and Mikhail Torpegard. A fun match between Julian Jens and Juan Pablo Vicovic. Maxime Cressy on carpet feels like just a recipe for rug burn. Um, but that's going to be a really fun match as well. So I will be on the lookout for that one. Of course, in Istanbul, play slightly more stable on the hard courts. And we did see some fun results today. The number three, four, and six seeds all knocked out. Borna Go- Gojo, the former Wake Forest All-American, knocking out number three seeded Taro Daniel, 2-6-7-6-7-6 today. That's a great win for him as he continues his ascent up the ATP rankings. Of course, we also saw Benjamin Bonzi, who we have seen have success at the Slams. I want to say third round last year at the U.S. Open. He beats Donskoy, 6-2-4-1 retirement. It was the uh, Turkish player Celik Be- uh, Ch- uh, Belik over the number six seeded Giustino, 0-3. You're other winners on the day, Ivashka, Clark, Jean Vier, and Sebastian Ofner. Uh, so that was a fun day of results. And of course, we've got more fun ones tomorrow. Elias Yimmer versus Haumi Munar, must-see TV. Mackie McDonald versus Gabishvili. I will be watching that for sure. And, you know, other fun ones throughout the day. So really, from start to finish, no matter where you are listening to this podcast, you will be treated to some fun action here on Tuesday. And of course, if you have missed anything over the past couple of weeks in the pro tennis world, whether it be you want to hear some French Open recap coverage, we of course have an award show here at Crack Records, which all of you can go find on YouTube, Jamie McDonald and I having some fun, of course, giving our biggest, uh, our recap, our final thoughts on the event. 
course, for the conversation on the biggest storylines in tennis down the home stretch of this 2020 season. Be sure to go check out our Great Shot podcast feed. Ben Rothenberg joining me for that conversation. Of course, you can see our DraftKings GSP Ace of the Day picks on that podcast feed as well. And as always, we will ask you to like, rate, subscribe, review this podcast. The Mini Break Podcast, which is what this podcast is. Excuse me, the Great Shot Podcast, the Cracked Interviews, and Inside Out Podcast. So many great podcasts for you fans to listen to. It's hard to keep track of it all. And, of course, if you want to keep track of all the action, just pop over to our website, CrackedRackets.com, where you can find all of our work. You need the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shot Pod on Twitter. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel West for the of an editing job they do day in day out shout out as well to our friends over at midwest sports and aero bar be sure to go to midwestsports.com use that promo code cr15 go to aerobar.com use that promo code cracked 15 but with that in mind for our wonderful super producers max Ligner and daniel westoff our friends at midwest sports and aero bar and all of us here at both cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say that's the break and we will talk to you all tomorrow thanks everyone